Hi, everyone. This is the episode zero for Fables Around the Table Glory. Uh, my name is Adam Seats. You may remember me from such things as last season of Fables Around the Table. And they have foolishly given me the keys to the kingdom and have allowed me to run the Old Gods of Appalachia RPG for us this season. So, uh, you're going to be hearing a whole lot of me talking. Uh, but for now, let me shut up and let the people who are playing with me introduce themselves. Uh, how about a f familiar face like Caitlin? Hello, everybody. My name is Caitlin Camp. Um, I have been a player on several of our previous seasons. You might have also recognized me from at least part of the beginning of um, Continuum last season as well with Adam. Um, I'm just happy to be here. Just happy to be here. Let's see. You know, Josh, it's been a while since you've been on a derailed thing. Why don't you, why don't you say hi? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Josh Medor. Um, I'll be, uh, this is my second Fables Around the Table campaign. I was previously on um, She, the Morkborg campaign that we ran. Uh, please do not ask me that character's name because I, I do not remember, but they were the animal transforming guy. That was two years ago, I think, that we recorded. So that memory is long gone. Time isn't real now thanks to the plague um it's still march 1027th of 2020 i don't know what you're talking about uh for our last returning member why don't you say hi mave hello i'm mave um weirdly because fables loves their animal characters the last time i was on fables i was playing shelly the armadillo um gun toting cowgirl on uh brass and so I'm also have been on uh, Cape Chronicles, so you might have seen my character Fenrir on Cape Chronicles too. Now, uh, we were gonna have, we were gonna have a whole bunch of people here. Um, you may have noticed that nobody who has spoken so far is the uh, the big three, as we've called them. Um, there is no Nick, there is no Fiona, there is no Chelsea. Uh, they they've turned it over to us, and so we have found a new person to come and play with us, who I think you will enjoy. Why don't you say hi? Hello, everyone. You would think I would have a speech prepared um, after <laughs> multiple people went before me, but here we are. Um, my name is Shrika. Please just call me Dika, and I am excited to be here. This is my first project with Project Derailed, and I am. Super nervous, but so excited. Um, I have played before in the past with Maeve, and I've recently saw the previous Fables, so I am excited to see what shenanigans we can get into. It's going to be interesting and or spicy. Um, but to that end, uh, for this episode zero, I want to sort of set the scene both for, for the players uh, who I have not exactly kept in the dark here, um, and that's definitely not because I took too long to write everything, uh, but also just because we are going to be in a setting that is a little personal to me. Uh, because, if you don't know, uh, Old Gods of Appalachia is a horror anthology podcast, etc., etc. If you've heard it, you know the thing. Um, but the thing about it is that it, uh, at least the role-playing game, is set in the 20s, Um and while it normally focuses on the more rural parts of the American East Coast, 
uh, I realized that I could use it to tell a story in the town that I live, which is Richmond, Virginia. Please don't dox me. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Richmond is a city that has a lot of history. Um, unfortunately, in the 20s, that history was uh, real bad. Um, just real, real bad. So we are going to be taking the Old Gods of Appalachia approach, which is that we're going to be in a town inspired by a real town, uh, but with some things that are a little different. And we are not going to focus on the absolutely horrible history that was taking place here at that time, because it turns out uh, if you're playing a game with horrible monsters, um, sometimes it's nice to have the escapism to fight monsters that will die instead of becoming entrenched in local government and ruining people's lives for a hundred years. So not, not that that happens ever. There's a suspicious silence. Uh, <laughs> and like, I was, I was really hoping that was a joke, uh, but I think I might've just gone a little too real. Horrible with that. monsters in me. my American <laughs> government. <laughs> yeah. I was laughing, but not loudly. <laughs> No, it's it's fine. I just I I realized um I, I saw the camera zoom out <laughs> on on my face as I said that. And um, you know, maybe it is a little too real. But you know what's not real is the stuff that we're gonna be fighting, sort of. Um because of the history of the nineteen twenties in Richmond, Virginia, or as it will be in our game here, uh River City, Virginia, um there was a thing that happened that is a loose inspiration for what will be happening in this story. And uh, because it is a piece of information that all of the players or all of the characters would know going into it, I would like to get it out of the way here so that all of you listening also know. Um, in 1925, there was a horrible uh, railroad tunnel collapse in Richmond. Um, it's in a part of town called Shaco Bottom, which is, uh, or more specifically in Church Hill, which is attached to Shaco Bottom. Uh, this is a part of town that was known for a lot of shipping. Um, Richmond has a very long history of exporting things like uh, tobacco and coal. And uh, this Church Hill tunnel after being reopened because some particularly greedy railroad folks wanted to try and uh, have a new passenger rail line that they could monetize. Um, it wasn't safe. The ground here is awful. Richmond is a swamp. Um, and so the groundwater rose up and reclaimed the tunnel, uh, it made it unstable, and the whole thing collapsed. And it uh, injured a lot of folks. And uh, this is, however, the origin of a local urban legend uh, of the Richmond Vampire, because um, the stories go that people saw a monster running out of the train tunnel um, and screaming down the way and eventually making its way to a local cemetery called Hollywood Cemetery, um, which is where a lot of Virginia presidents uh, are buried as well as folks in the modern day like uh, Dave Brocky of the band Guar and other famous Richmonders. Um, but anyway, uh, the Richmond vampire uh, runs to a mausoleum in the Hollywood Cemetery, and that's where it's been ever since. Um, that is, of course, 
not what happened, but also it is what happened because there was a man who ran out of that tunnel. Um, his name was Benjamin Mosby, and uh, I feel it appropriate to honor him if we are going to be using a story based on a story based on what happened to him. Benjamin Mosby, unfortunately, uh, did suffer a lot of damage uh, from the train tunnel collapse uh, and also the steam engine exploding. Um, and he eventually made his way to Grace Hospital, uh, which is in a part of town called Monroe Ward, which will be relevant later. Um, and he did, unfortunately, end up uh, succumbing to his wounds from that. So that is the real history. That's also the fake history. You all will know a variation of that in universe, but I would like to know, or I would like all of you, both at home and players, to have that going in, because this is a major event that has happened. And like I say, while it may not be exactly the thing, uh, it's going to give you a good basis for what kind of stuff we're getting into here. Um, the the Richmond, Virginia of reality and the River City, Virginia of our game uh, are places that are both clean and grimy, uh, on the edge of cutting new technology of the 20s, and also filled with the ghosts of the past. Um, our game will be taking place in 1928. Uh, in fact, the week right before Christmas. So, all of that preamble here. Um, we have some characters that we have built, and those characters uh, have a couple of questions that we need to answer about their interconnectedness to the other characters. I wanted to ask y'all, how do you feel about all of your characters knowing each other at the start of play? Um like, would you rather answer some of these questions, uh, which, as I say that, actually, I realize I had written all of those questions down. I don't know if all of you... Oh, yeah, you are. I see you in the Google Doc. We live in the space future. <laughs> um, so, uh, basically, what I'm saying is we can go down the list of questions. Um, if If I get to one of you and you're like, you know, I'd like to answer that in the course of play, then that's fine. Um, but if there's ones that we can answer ahead of time, then I think we should. So, um, and in fact, I will also let you introduce your characters. We'll obviously do a, uh, bigger in-character introduction, I suppose, uh, in the actual first episode, but it might be nice to get a little, little juicy blurb about these characters. Um, so let's just start in the order that I've got them here. Josh, why don't you tell us about your character? Yeah, sure. So I'll be playing uh, Cork Ford Culberson, um, who is um, actually uh, this doesn't necessarily need to be final cut. Should I, do you think we should just sort of read like the descriptor type and focus, like just to sort of keep in sort of how we're talking about our characters for this bit? Yeah, and in fact, here before you okay. do that, that I will give one other piece of explanation for okay. uh, for everybody because uh, we're playing in a system that is pretty new. Uh, at time of recording, I have really only had the, the actual physical Old Gods of Appalachia RPG book in my hands for a couple of months now, and uh, frankly, I got it the same weekend I also got COVID, so um, I hadn't really spent a whole lot of time looking at it before we started doing this, but um, the Old Gods RPG is in the Cypher system, it was developed by Monty Cook Games. If you don't know Monty Cook, I'm real sorry, you should. Uh, <laughs> both Monty Cook and then also his game company that he opened have been in the business for 
quite some time uh, working on everything from 3.5 edition Dungeons Dragons to God knows everything else. Uh, so the Cypher system is real cool. Uh, it's been out for a couple of years. Like I said, this is the most recent entry in it. And um, so it has a way of building characters where you will pick three descriptors uh, and those descriptors have stats tied to them rather than sort of a traditional like I my character is a wizard and I'm gonna take three levels in the necromancy class it is a little different this time around um so with that said Josh why don't you tell us uh who Korik is yeah absolutely so Korik Fold uh Korik Ford Culberson great way to start off first character can't even pronounce their name um Korik Ford Culberson is a scrappy protector who manifests the mountain um really just a short blurb is they're a fighter they are someone who just sort of travels around Appalachia getting into fights for what they believe are good causes and um that sometimes causes trouble and they are moving around a lot finding new places to fight in good good yes um and you know what why don't we go down and just introduce everyone first and then we'll come back and do questions for each of you so that we know who we're talking about um caitlin why don't you tell us about your character i am playing uh miss ernestine Grimm, a curious author who fears no haints um ernestine is a sage and for her that means that since she was little she's always just been a little bit uncanny things moved around her room she had imaginary friends that seemed a little too real to be imaginary and so she was shipped off from where she was born in Philadelphia and sent off to River City um, with a caretaker. And that caretaker has recently passed away. And now as an adult, Ernestine is an aspiring author. Uh, she wants to be writing articles for one of the local magazines. Very cool. Uh, Maeve, why don't you tell us about your character? My character is Siobhan McKinney. She is an educated explorer who wanders these hills. Um, she is, her parents are Scotch-Irish, immigrated, um, and she um, went away after high school, and um, her name was Ian before she left, and when she came back, it was Siobhan, and she's not really sure why she came back. And she certainly, like, tries to avoid a lot of the people that kind of knew her beforehand. Um, but mostly what she likes to do is work at the library and then wander around in the woods with her um, pet crow, Morgan. I want you to know I've been working on my crow calls. Uh, so we're going to see if I can do it. <laughs> and if not, then I'll find some, some sound clips. Uh, I also want you to know that even in the modern day, uh, Siobhan is the most Richmond character to have existed. Um, as you described this character, I could think of about four people that I know in real life that are also that person, uh, like to a T. So, yeah. <laughs> as someone who recently came back to their hometown after they transitioned, I totally understand this character. It's almost like I am her. I Yeah, I think we've all got a lot of us in this. Um it, if nothing else, this will be a very authentic game that we play here for whatever horrifying thing that may mean later on. But uh, Dika, why don't you wrap it up? Who Who is your character? 
I am so nervous as you said that, and I'm about to tell you about my character. Um, so I am playing Jody Ann Carlton, Jody for short. She is a clever speaker who knows Jack. Jody <laughs> is, she runs a speakeasy. She grew up panhandling. She loves to con people that comes into the town. She mostly tries to keep her cons to the visitors of the town um, instead of the townspeople. Um, because she does love her community, even though she is kind of a big fish in a small pond. I, yeah, no, I realize now how saying that, wow, we're all playing ourselves in this game. And you're like, yeah, anyway, I'm playing a, a criminal who lies to people. And uh, yeah, no, that maybe, maybe that, maybe that's bad. Maybe that wasn't great. <laughs> no, it's, it's too late. It's too late. Maybe it's, Dika it's late. is trying to tell us about you know, herself. The longest Right time. now. Damn it. <laughs> it all comes out. I've known you for years, Tika, and it all comes out. Now. <laughs> I promise, Maeve, it was never this. Uh, also, one point of clarification for anyone listening to this that may not know uh, the Old Gods podcast, um, saying that uh, Tika's character knows Jack uh, is not the opposite of you don't know Jack uh, in, in common terms. Jack is, uh, shall we say, a trickster. Um, Jack is silver tongued. Jack is perhaps the uh, the embodiment of being silver tongued. Um, and the Old Gods podcast actually has a whole character arc about him going on right now. So go catch up with that. That said, if you've never listened to the Old Gods of Appalachia podcast, uh, you're fine. Um, we're not, I, I'm probably not going to keep too deep to any of that. Um, that's not to say that I'm not, or I'm going to go like change the vibe entirely, but um, for both my own sanity and also to make sure that, uh, I don't know, that I'm not trying to faithfully follow lore to a T, um, I'm going to make sure that this is uh, not something you need to have heard that podcast to listen to. Uh, but if you have and you like that, then you will probably get some smiles out of some stuff that I'm going to work into this. So. Uh, as the member of the cast that actually grew up in Appalachia, I'm just like, yeah, Jack yeah. Tales. That's that's a thing I grew up actually, on. There's a, oh, you know what? I'll, maybe I'll try and see if I can put this in the, the show notes description for this. But um, speaking of Jack Tales, there's like, there's one guy left that still tells Jack Tales, like, publicly as as a thing. And um, it's a it's a disappearing part of history. Anyway, if I can find it, but point is, if you look up Jack Tales, it's a it's a specific genre of Appalachian folktale. Um, it's uh, it's really fascinating. But um, I guess to jump back from there, uh, as I pull up those questions again, um, let's jump back to Josh. Uh, so for Corey, you have one. Let's see, you have your initial link to the adventure. And you've got your connection to one of the other characters. Um, now, I think I know which of those four for the initial starting uh, hook for you is which one you might choose. But how would you say that your character is tied to weird goings on in, in River City, Virginia? So I think the one I'm leaning toward is uh, number three. One of your biggest risks failed to go your way and you need money to help pay that debt. 
um, which I see you have highlighted in the Google Doc. So I'm wondering if that's the one you thought I was going to pick and were subtly influencing me <laughs> to get the story you wanted. Um, but even, bef- even before that, that was the one oh, I was looking no, at. No, no, no. Um, okay. I was just clicking around in here. That's that's uh, not... <laughs> I wish I was that um, subtle. No, uh, that, no, that has been, since you first sent this, that's been the one that's sort of been standing out. I think Korik is... Yeah, just always, like I said, he he goes around sort of causing trouble and not always recognizing that what he's doing is is exactly that. So, like, it's it sort of feels like, you know, he got into a situation just way above his head and um, and that bill has come due. We shall see. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the connection questions... Do, do any of those four particularly call to you? So the one I'm leaning toward, and I'm not sure which um, which of my fellow players um, this would be, but I'm leaning toward number four. Um, you're pretty sure they're scared of you, but you don't know why. Um, and that's one I'm leaning toward either um, Ernestine or Siobhan with. Um, I don't know if... Um, Maeve or Kate, if either of you maybe want to chime in here, but just sort of what I'm thinking is, again, with that, he doesn't, um, you know, the fact that Corrick Ford doesn't recognize what he's doing all the time, that, you know, he maybe just in a in early interaction just came on way too strong, like physically strong and aggressive and um, problem. I think I have it if you if you would. If you're interested with it, I think that you, that Korik grew up with Ian and doesn't know that Siobhan is Ian. And so Siobhan is very worried about Korik finding that. OK, out. yeah. Yeah, I think that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. Let me add that to my notes. And if if we want to talk, maybe either off recording or if if y'all want to talk between sessions or anything uh to fill that out mm-hmm. absolutely we should do that or um there's always the joy of letting things develop in front of the camera so to speak but um but we'll see um all right so caitlin for ernestine of those four initial starting link questions which of them calls to you um uh, so i am leaning for uh, you've always wanted to see the place where the other PCs are headed. Um, I think Ernestine's been a little more isolated from most people as of late, um, and maybe overheard that everybody else was heading towards this place that she's heard interesting things about for one of this, these magazine articles that she'd like to write. And that's why she's joined up with everybody else. I like that, and I can give you a little bit of extra juice on that um Ooh. although we can we can refine it but um i in in my big list of uh things to know about in river city uh one of them which feels like calls particularly to uh the spooky goth that ernestine is um <laughs> is the edgar Allan poe museum um which uh, does exist in real life, and uh, in, let's see, 1924, uh, I think is when it opened, or something like that. Um, but it was, it's set up in a building where Edgar Allan Poe wrote for a newspaper 
uh, in Richmond um, by a bunch of Poe enthusiasts who then made it sort of a shrine. Um, I am into that 100% for a reason that you would not know, but it's really funny. Um, I have not been to Richmond, but I have been to Baltimore, or at least through it. And one of the things that I still desperately would like to visit is their Edgar Allan Poe House and Museum. Ah, yes. <laughs> you know, there, there was a post going around a little while back of like, when you realize that Edgar Allan Poe spent most of his life in Richmond and Baltimore, <laughs> it makes a whole lot more sense why he was just kind of like that. Because <laughs> like, man, it, it just does that to you, man. Um <laughs> Anyway, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll get you a little bit more information on that, and we can uh, we can juice that up. But uh, to the connection questions, do any of them jump out to you right now? Um, hmm. I feel like, like Josh has done, like opening it up for, I guess, a volunteer. I do kind of like the idea of... Uh, this one it's you saved them from a spirit attack and now they owe you their life spoiler um caitlin's character can see <laughs> ghosts and do stuff with ghosts um so yeah who i i mean i have some thoughts as well i obviously i want you all to make your choices but i will tell you if you need grounding in uh richmond at all for weird ghost things um I, I can look up a couple, or I can just tell you places that are extremely haunted. <laughs> or I don't know if any of you, maybe in your uh, backstory, have a have a thought about, like, someone who might have died or somewhere you might have gone that would uh, lend you to being attacked by weird spirits. I could see Jody getting herself into something in which she would need saving from with spirits. Into it. Okay. I like that. We don't have to f completely flesh it out right now. Um, we might even, maybe, if I just want to rip off Nick entirely, maybe we uh, maybe we record some flashbacks about these little bits, just so we can all learn some things. Um, That'd be neat. Because you know what I love is making more work <laughs> for myself, by which I mean whoever's going to edit this. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, th so, you know, that's the fun thing, too, right? You know, Nick and Fiona and Chelsea, like, they've been doing this for a really long time. They've got all these skills. They, like, they know how to do the whole podcast thing. Um, and I don't know shit about shit. Like, <laughs> so they're going to be helping out a lot on the back end, even if you don't hear their voices. Uh, but that also means that I have to be nice, because if I'm like, ah, yes, editor, please go add all of these effects uh, they're going to show up at my house and, like, I don't know, actually throw me in the river or something. So, um, or just wait until Gen Con and then, you know, yeet me. Anyway, um, neither here nor there, but now you know. Uh, let's talk about Siobhan. Yes, let's do. Um, I really liked... Um, I really liked the idea of just there being a lot to learn and it seems like some people might actually know what they're doing specifically like Ernestine seems to know something about this um and I imagine um considering I'm a little 
wary of Korik, I would probably think that Jody would know something about it. And that is um, because um, if you're okay with it, Dika, I was actually going to pick number two. And for whatever reason, Jody is someone that like Siobhan can be like very off guard about. I don't know necessarily what it is yet. We can kind of see as we play, but um, yeah, that works. As Siobhan tends to be pretty like uptight around a lot of people because like you know doesn't really want her secret getting out. Like for whatever reason, Jody, she's just very cool with. That works for me. I will say okay. that makes a lot of sense considering uh, Jody has a speakeasy in town. Perhaps is probably the most <laughs> trustworthy person out there. I agree. <laughs> That's definitely what she wants you to think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know what? Let's talk about Jody for a sec. Um, what uh, of those four questions do any of them call to you? Okay. So the obvious first one that stands out is number three. You talked your way into a situation because you thought it might earn you some money. Mm-hmm. Um, or number one. I'm in between those two. Let's see. I, hmm, I could see a path of uh, you may be talking your way into the situation insofar as if Ernestine is coming to the city from elsewhere, um, perhaps she seemed like an easy mark and uh, you were like, oh yeah, I can, I can show you some spooky shit in town. No, no doubt. I got you. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but there is like a, a 50 cent a day um, surcharge for for taking you around, which, of course, in 1928 money is it's ridiculous. But um, but, you know, hey, maybe maybe Ernestine's got money. Maybe maybe she's an easy mark. I'm projecting a lot on all of your characters. So feel free <laughs> to tell me absolutely not. But like, that's just what I'm pulling out from the air. No, I like that. If Katie's OK with it. Yeah, so, I mean, what I was kind of thinking with Ernestine is that um, her family in Philadelphia is new money that used to live here but have moved away. And so money for her in, like, this regard isn't something that she would necessarily be worried about. And since her family doesn't want to have anything to do with her, she's like, all right, sure, let me spend your money. I love it. New friends, how can I buy you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what can I buy for you? (laughs) <laughs> Unfortunately, also a very Richmond character. Um, <laughs> boy, going going to college in Richmond sure was something. Anyway, um, neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, you'll learn all about my thoughts about the city as we go on. But um, for the connection points. Okay. What do you think? So, I'm not sure. I really like number three, right? <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is juicy. And I feel like Horik may fit the best with it. That is interesting. So we know that Korik, uh is a little rough and tumble. Maybe maybe gets into some fights with some folks. Um, and the, the question number three here is, uh, pick one other PC. Long ago, the two of you were on opposite sides of a conflict. You won, though you quote unquote cheated in their eyes. But from your perspective, all fairs, uh, all's fair in love and war. <laughs> they may still harbor ill will towards you. Yeah, I can absolutely see Korik. Um, again, just Korik doesn't really have an idea. Like, there's no grand design of what Korik does, and like 
generally like if someone tells him like hey that person over there is doing a bad thing help us stop them he will do it um whether or not that thing is true so yeah i think that would absolutely um be be in line with cork even just getting involved and then you know i can also picture picture cork being a very sore loser um and not really acknowledging that jody um either one legitimately or maybe, you know, uh, tilted the table a little bit. I can guarantee you it's probably the table was tilted <laughs> a little bit. I, I will say I'm getting big himbo energy out of Korik. And, you know, if if he is in fact a himbo, uh, <laughs> big of heart and dumb of ass, like, you know, you can, you can manipulate a himbo and sometimes you feel bad about it, but maybe Jody doesn't, like... Maybe sometimes you just not gotta... that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Um, this is fun. So we've got some starting points for some other things to record. Uh, so that's fun and cool. Let's see. Uh, other things that we might want to get out of the way here. Um, I have sent the players uh some points of interest around uh real life richmond but um to explain for any of you who aren't from around here uh so richmond has been set up in a number of different sort of districts for a long time not not unlike new york city uh you know you got your your upper east side your bronx your whatever um but because of how big Richmond is and because of how specific of a story we're going to shoot for, um, I've opted to pick a couple of neighborhoods that are most relevant, and that is where we are going to be telling our story. Um, I mentioned Shaco Bottom, uh, which, like I say, is the sort of industrial shipping area of uh, River City in the 20s. Um the place that I think all of our players or all of our characters are going to be staying uh, in the real world is known as Manchester, um, which is just over the James River, uh, which is a river that divides Richmond. Um, basically, north of the river, you have, um, you know, the the more well-off part of Richmond. Um, you have, uh, this is where the colleges are. This is where... Uh, a lot of the hospitals and things are, whereas south of the river um, historically was where the coal fields were. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of shipping out of this area, a lot of the farmland area, um, growing tobacco and all that stuff. Um, but uh, so in our in the world of our RPG, uh, we will be referring to Manchester by its nickname, just like we are with Richmond as River City. Uh, Manchester is known as Dogtown. Um so there are probably a number of either apartments or boarding houses or things. I will let you all sort of fabricate what you will for that. But so that is sort of a, a south of the river place. Um, we've also got Church Hill, as I mentioned, uh, which is, of course, where the, uh, the tunnel collapsed. It is named for uh, a church which sits right on the top of it, which uh, my brain is failing me. Uh, St. John's Episcopal Church. Um, it's been there since before America was officially a country. 
Um, it's uh, it's very pretty. You go look at pictures. It's very nice. But um, so the Churchill and Shaco Bottom areas are likely where we will be spending a lot of our time. However, uh, there are a couple of other juicy things in, in the area that have come up. Um, a little bit farther west on the north side of the river uh, in what is now known as Carytown. At that time, didn't exist. But uh, there's a brand new movie theater called The Bird. Um, the Bird Theater uh, is a place that in the time of our game will be opening next week. Uh, it opens December 24th, 1928. It has a Wurlitzer organ and all sorts of modern amenities. Um, it, uh, it's real neat. And it still pretty much looks the same, too. So, again, if you want to go online, uh, they actually have a virtual tour. I recommend it. Uh, it'll it'll help the 4D experience that is this podcast for you. Uh, uh, aside from that, um, there are all sorts of weird little esoteric landmarks like um, the uh, the Shriners Temple and the Masonic Lodges and, and things. Richmond's big on uh, weird fraternal orders. Uh, whether or not those pop up in-game, uh, you know, I'll leave that to you all. That's the fun thing about Old Gods of Appalachia is usually the shtick is that somewhere, somewhere around, there is a powerful woman who knows how to get shit done. Um, and it feels like fraternal orders are the opposite of that. Uh, and I don't necessarily like that. But I will say there are definitely those around. We have uh, the Library of Virginia is here. That may come up. Um, Library of Virginia is right near the Capitol. Uh, it is the biggest place in town at that time to get anything that um, any sort of legal or historical documents. Um, I will say in the James River where you are, uh, there are a number of islands. Some of them, well, n nothing, nothing's built up on them. Uh, there is a power plant nearby, which actually is also still here. But uh, for the most part, uh, you know, it is a place I'm sure at least two of our players have been, or uh, two of our characters, rather, have been to uh, to hide out when things get a little too hot. Um, <laughs> but um, but there's that. Uh, there is, I mentioned Hollywood Cemetery, uh, which, aside from the whole Richmond vampire thing, uh, like I say, there's a, there's a lot of notable graves there. Um, there's, let's see... Uh, I will say both on brand for uh, Old Gods and for this very podcast network, um, there are a number of train stations. Um, not a whole lot of derailing of trains, but there are train stations. Um, basically, each part of town has a train, uh, a major train station with it. Um, so between that and uh, the fact that in the 20s there was an electric trolley system, uh, which sadly closed in Richmond in the 70s because God forbid we have good public transit in America uh, <laughs> we will be uh, doing a little bit of hand waving uh, with regards to like how long it takes you to get places because there there really is a fast travel network like um, unless unless you all find yourself somehow out of money uh, it's going to be pretty easy for you to get around to the different parts of town um there are also a number of uh, pretty famous um, conven or not convenience stores, but like uh, dry goods stores chains like uh, Miller and Rhodes, uh, Pleasant's Hardware, things like that. I bring up because somehow inevitably in all of these games, someone's like, I need to go buy like 
a bunch of wood and also uh, like a bag of flour that I can make into a trap for something. So, like I've just I've learned this. <laughs> the last time I played a Call of Cthulhu game, one of the other players made a, a pressure bomb. Like it, you know, I y'all get up to some weird <laughs> shit. So like I'm just I'm telling you now. But anyway, that's a whole bunch of stuff that I had talked about um, just ahead of time. Is there anything that you all can think of that uh, you know for certain, like, oh, yeah, my character would need to know this, or just that you want, like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that I would want to interact with in-game? And it's okay not to have an answer to that uh, now. It just If you just so happen to, then anybody listening to this will know what we're adding into it. And if you do it later, then it'll be a surprise. Um, I think the only thing I can think of for Korik, um, one of the special abilities um, that I have is Unexpected Arrival. Um, so if someone you've interacted with in the past is in the area and willing to help out, they can't stay lo- longer than it takes to help out, chat for a while, and maybe share a quick meal. Um, you know, with that sort of life of rolling from one town to another, I'd have to imagine that, you know, Korik maybe. You know, we don't have to specifically like plot out every building and exactly like where it is and how to get in. Um, but just, you know, sort of Korik has an idea of like sort of the network of back alley organize organizing halls, uh, union halls, um, places where sort of the people fighting for social change sort of meet in secret. Um, so I think that's really like the only other thing sure. that, you know, I can think of as far as like a location to is that. Um, a location to be thinking of is, um, you know, just sort of uh, some places like within the city, like maybe even just like two or three. So it's not like always like, hey, we're right on their doorstep, but just, you know, a place to go that's not just a an absolute freebie all the time. Yeah, that's fair. And of course, I think um, because Siobhan is a librarian, her library and where it sits might be something to think about like as sort of a a place that kind of comes up as to you know where would Siobhan be at this point to try to find her or where could we find information about something yeah well so I will say definitely um there is the library of Virginia if you want to be employed there that that is a thing that we can do um, if you would prefer a slightly more esoteric library, I think she would be in a smaller I don't think she would be like like, I think she would be in some place she could sort of hide a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I I think we can work on that, because there, there are a couple of spots, both just in town that I can think of that actually exist, and also places where that would make sense. So, yeah, we can, we can juice that up a little bit. I had one thing I can think of, um, possibly a location that Jody would know of maybe a close friend that's a bootlegger. Oh yeah, where she gets the alcohol from? Oh, for <laughs> sure. Um, in fact, I can tell you, you already have it on your character sheet. You know Jack. Uh, oh, beautiful, Mister J T Fields of Paradise, Virginia, uh, is well known for for sending things down. And um, I, yeah, I, I, that was the one thing I was going to check the timeline on the official uh, show to see. Who who may be employed by Jack at this time. But yeah, no, no, I, I got you covered. Okay. That was it. <laughs> Fair. Um, For me, 
I was wondering if we could suss out where the Weird Tales magazine headquarters might be. Mm, yes. So Weird Tales, uh, for those of you who don't know, one of the very early, in fact, perhaps maybe the earliest um, science fiction magazine. Uh, let me just let me just poke around here real quick. Because, yeah, so it started uh, in-universe about six years in the past. Uh, started in the, the late 1922. And I'm going to see here. I imagine there's got to be a place in town that caters to people who want that kind of <laughs> drivel. <laughs> Those pulp rags. Uh, and in fact, I mean, it may even be the Poe Museum. <laughs> um, but we'll we'll figure that out. But yeah, no, for sure. I, I was I was thinking if we might have a bookstore for you or something. But um, yeah, well, there will be a place where you can pick up your magazines. And for someone uh, I can argue with about how my articles should, my stories should be in the Weird Tales magazine as well. So what you're saying is you want Tom Hiddleston's character from uh, Crimson Peak. Uh, always, but <laughs> um, I don't know. Just a mean man to tell me that we don't want like these stories. And if we do accept your stories, even though they'll be subpar, that they have to be under a different name uh, would be lovely. I'd love to have someone to argue well, with. Well, you know. There is nothing better than using role-playing games as an excuse to bully your friends. <laughs> um, be sure to take that quote out of context, everyone. Put that all over the internet. Um, no. Uh, yeah, I, I think we got you. Excellent. Yeah, I think if we're throwing around, you know, fake pen names, I think something like Howard Phillips Lovecraft is just like, sounds completely made up. That might work. I don't know. <laughs> it does. <laughs> you know, I was going to have him show up. Uh, there is real-world uh, proof that he actually visited the Poe Museum. Uh, I was going to do that. But also, like, as a Jew, I don't really want to have an anti-Semite around. Yeah, um, that's fair. But, yeah, like, on yeah. the other other hand, it would be really funny to just have him show up and, like, someone be like, yeah, I really like this story that you wrote. And he's like, I didn't write that. And like, yeah, no, this, uh, you're Howard Phillips Lovecraft, right? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, this book, the this story that just came out. No, I didn't. Yeah, no. Wait, there, there's and like pointing over at Ernestine. That would be extremely funny. Um, anyway, neither here nor there. But um, <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. So cool. Okay. Um, if we don't have anything else, uh, I know that we had all expressed some concerns about uh just making sure that we knew how the game was played. We're all new to this game. Um, so just sort of like going over some of the, the mechanics and things and how those interact with the story, just to be sure that we're all on the same page. Um, because, so this is a game where I, the DM, will not be rolling dice. Um, it is it is all on y'all. Um, it uses most of the regular suite of D&D &D dice, but it handles things a little differently. Basically, there is a system where you determine the difficulty of things, uh, which is from, like, 0 to 30. And 
depending on uh, either what you do to make that roll easier or not means whether or not you're going to be able to hit it. Um, there are mechanics for reducing the difficulty of something so low that uh, you no longer need to roll for it, which is really cool. Um, there are mechanics like... Um, well, in fact, here, why don't I pull up a character sheet and we can talk about it. Uh, okay, so basically uh, we've got three stats, which are might, speed, and intellect. They are exactly what you think they are. Difficulty of things is uh, mitigated by a thing called effort. Um, you can spend from your pools to, to do effort to make things easier. Um, everybody has skills that they uh, are either, I think it's trained in or skilled in, which depending on how much expertise you have in something means um, how many levels you sort of automatically reduce certain things, uh, as well as inabilities. Some of you have uh, inabilities in certain stats, which means that it will be either harder or impossible for you to do certain things. Um, there are like recovery mechanics to get back stuff from your pool because you spend from a pool of things uh, to do stats. Also, if you are attacked by, say, I don't know, some sort of monster, um, those attacks will often reduce your pools as well. So it is both a resource that you spend and can be taken from you. Um, in fact, this, this whole game is sort of predicated on that kind of transactional use of things. So if any of you are like me, like those Final Fantasy players who like you end the game with 999 elixirs in your inventory because you didn't want to use any of them, um, you're going to have a bad time. Like, we we need to get that right out of the way. Please uh, spend... Uh, in fact, I heard... I think somebody was talking about maybe it's something in Blades in the Dark where it advises you to uh, play your character like you stole it. Like, just, just run these characters into the ground. Um, do not be shy about spending points. Um, you know, it'll... They will always come back. Uh, and, in fact, maybe that's even foreshadowing for the plot of this is that they will always come back. <laughs> but, um, yeah, please spend... There's also a thing about how experience points are handled in this game, where um, basically, not only can you get experience sort of uh, like you would normally do for overcoming challenges, um, I, as the DM, can also threaten my players with a bad time. Um, by which I mean, say, hey, I would like to do something bad to you in exchange for us moving the story forward. And if they accept, and they usually, well, the book says they usually will. Now that I say that, all of you be like, no, I don't want to. Um, but there's a way, basically, I can say, hey, I would like to do something bad. And they go, okay. And then I give you an experience point, and uh, you can give an additional experience point to somebody else. And those experience points are both spent to level up your character, as well as to trigger certain abilities. Um, so that's going to be a fun little thing to figure out. Um, there is, obviously, if I if I say something that you're like, absolutely not, like, that's completely out of character, or you're just like, you know, actually, I hate that, and I don't want to do it, uh, that's fine. But I will probably preface this anytime it happens with, and then something bad happens. Um, and you can tell me, no, it doesn't. And I'll go, oh, okay. Uh, and that could just be our little shorthand for this. 
but um but yeah just so you all know uh you are incentivized to allow me to do bad things to you because it will allow good things to happen later uh in that way it is just like we say that the american dream and capitalism is uh, as you endure bad things with the promise of something good happening but anyway um so with all of that sort of uh not even really preamble more just amble um, are there any questions about mechanics or anything that you all have right off the top that you want to talk about? Honestly, I'm kind of a get into it and see what happens sort of person. So same. same. It's all mine. That's fine. Um, then yeah. But the last little thing here is, so this is the cipher system. Um, and it's called that for, uh, these little, these little magical gifties that you get. Presents. Um, and especially with the world of old gods of Appalachia, where, you know, th this is not a world that deals in fireballs, right? Like, this is folk magic. This is setting up wards. This is, you know, carrying charms with you. This is, uh, you know, brewing potions and poultices kind of kind of deal. Um, the ciphers in this game are all things that are either... You know, something to help you be good at something, something to protect you from something, something to cause weird stuff to happen to someone you hate, things like that. Um, and this is, again, something that, like, please, you're going to have these, you you should use them because um, weird and often bad things happen if you have too many Um this is a, a thing both to incentivize the use of them and also to disincentivize, uh, you know, just having a, a bag of holding full of magical items. So just know that everybody is going to have a little bit of something, even if they're not magical characters in and of themselves. Everybody's going to have a little bit of something. And hopefully that little bit of something is uh, is going to be useful right at just right the right time. Uh, or maybe it'll explode, and then terrible things will happen. But we'll find out. Um, but I think I will tell you all what those are off the recording. Let that be a surprise for everyone. So, if that's the case, we'll see you in... Uh, oh, sorry, I should I should do the Steve Shell thing. Uh, we'll see you soon, family. We'll see you real soon. <laughs> yeah, hey. <laughs> Why do you want to be a hero? Yeah, she's gonna sort of like uh, drop down out of the sky and try to kick him like, you know, square in the chest. Look, I don't know what you're fucking trying to do here, but I don't make deals with enemies who put grenades in a box like they're the $5 movie bin. Release Miss Terry. 
or you all will be the ones that are extinct. I don't know if I can have an honest conversation with Royale as a corgi. You're right, it's fucking not funny. I mean, literally no one would find this funny. Remix, use the dragon filter that would make it funny. It's just like man standing emoji. Just T-posing in the corner. <laughs> Who is your contact? Benchmark. Who? Hey, I just need Buzz Nest for like one minute, and then you guys can go back to whatever you were doing. Check out season two of Cape Chronicles starting Wednesday, October 5th, every first and third Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. File folders contain important information. Hey, I'm Saker. And I'm Evan. And our podcast is It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. Hey, what's that podcast about, Ev? So, do you know of a band called Bare Naked Ladies? One week. Yeah, yeah, that's one of them. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Did you ever want to learn more about them? Or... Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, well, then this is the podcast for you because we teach you nothing with various guests. Yeah, like uh, like Matt Besser. Holy we shit. Climbed in a second story window and partied in this house where we barely didn't know at all the people that was crazy holy fuck mike mitchell why well, I, I don't know how how like how much you guys really do love bare naked ladies justin mcelroy grab your tongue grab your tongue and i want you to say Our born tongue. on a pirate ship born on a pilot ship you were born on a pile of shit and many more so check it out but also if you don't like bare naked ladies we talk about them probably like a third of the time so uh, yes that's every Tuesday, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We can make a board game about it. Back on Twirl, I was a nobody. I got teleported out here, and here I'm something. I'm somebody. The Voidfarer begins maneuvering towards this 200-meter-long space whale. The handle of these need grit. Is that something you have? I'm a tiny little guy. Of course I got grit. If you tried anything, it would end very poorly for you. This alithid dreadnought warps away, accelerating the spell jamming speed as quickly as they arrive. Who the fuck? What am I trying to say here, Ravnus? That we're crew. I like that. We're crew. That is a natural one. <sighs> you send yourself sailing out the side of the ship, untethered. Oh. I'm putting a python into the ground. I'm wrapping my rope around it, and I'm jumping into the gravity well. <laughs> a gnome, a halfling, and a half-orc walk into a bar. I forget the middle part, but the punchline is feathers everywhere, and that's not my peanut butter. I cast Tasha's Indian Slapper. <laughs> Climb aboard for Tales of the Voidfarer. Wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, my consequences have actions. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Projectderailed.com.